Reader Mail. Newly number one. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared Reader Mail. <clears throat> we are, or I am your host. <laughs> Screw that one up. Anyway, I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridges, bringing you guys the very first new format of Reader Mail. So if this is your first episode to this podcast, period, it's a little weird. You, should, you might want to go back to episode one of Triangle Squared because this is going to be somewhat confusing maybe to new people, but this is our Reader All the way to episode entry. one? For, I'm talking about for Triangle Squared. I mean, okay. Because they're going to think, oh, is this a new podcast? Episode one. So then I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So for those that don't know, point. we are a PlayStation podcast. We have an episode coming out every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Time. No, 10 a.m. PST. 10 a. <laughs> noon Central Time. And uh, this is what we used to do. You're still in my line, so. I'm still in. This reader mail is my thing. I'm Go ahead. To, I'm taking the helms. We used to do a, a segment in those shows called Reader Mail where we'd answer you guys' questions from Twitter, Facebook, and uh we decided to make it on a separate show. So that's what this is. It allows our normal episodes to be a tad bit longer. A little bit of a disclaimer. This is a little bit looser than our other episodes where we try to maintain a somewhat professional profile. And uh, this is going to be a little more T for teen instead of an E for everyone. This might so, this might swing a little NSFW every now yeah, and then. Yeah, every now and then. So if you have kids, just be sure to kind of explain to them what the words we use are or uh, not, <laughs> not have them in the room. Well, you see, son, penis is. No, no, that's a <laughs> biological term. I'm talking about more vulgar things. Just in case it comes up. I doubt it's going to come up. I try not to swear on camera regardless. Uh, but who knows? We're a little bit more looser than normal. Uh, but yeah, if you ever want to hear your question answered on Reader Mail, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. We are taking some of the ones from Facebook past, uh, what was it? The 7th. The 7th of January. And we are uh, pushing those into a vault, for, for lack of better terms. To line up with our schedules a little bit better in terms of recording, we're just going to record this every other week after we record Triangle Squared. So that way we may have some cool Patreon incentives for those guys that want it early, but we also will have free time just in case for whatever reason there is bad juju around Reader Mail. The last two times we've recorded Reader Mail, something's messed up. So this is going to give us five days in between to be able to still get it out on time, whether it's a technical problem, scheduling problem, it's going to make it easier for everyone. So if you are one of the ones that asked a question on Facebook and you don't hear uh, answered here don't worry it's going to be in the next episode we just kind of have to make a cutoff point in order to play catch up in a way or yeah. in order to schedule it out and as soon as that so basically as soon as this episode rolls out the next episode that comes on is going to be caught up now of course what that means with us changing it to where we've, we've been doing it technically pretty <laughs> look Saul's being fancy we've been doing it a That's little honestly to too oh, like. close to the line um, just because we, we both for those that don't know we both work like full time 45 hour week jobs and we, uh, Brent has a family. I really, I, I have a fiance, so we have plans and stuff, but like just to make this more consistent for our lives and yours, that way, you know, that there won't ever be an episode missed to the best of our abilities. Now, yeah. th now there should be no hiccups made at all. Cause just in the, in the realm all. of being as completely clear as possible on this, uh, and, and, you know, transparent, we are literally recording this oh, Thursday. This is the day before this is supposed to go live. Yeah. So in these situations, if something were to happen, and we hope that it doesn't, um, but if something were to happen, we would be screwed. And we wouldn't be able to get it up on time for you. Moving it up to when we record afterwards fits better with our schedule. It's already a day we plan to record. And it also helps us be able to go, okay, let's just say that it did mess up. And for some reason, we weren't able to get it. We still have Monday, Tuesday, whatever, as schedule permits for us to get be able to record it and get it out. Um, so that does mean that 
when you ask a question, if the question is asked on the week of a podcast release, that question will be uh, answered on the next podcast always. And you will see a Twitter uh, post. It will not only go up on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Technically, it's going to go up on Monday and be retweeted on Wednesdays and Fridays, but it's also going to be pinned to our Twitter. So you guys, all you have to do is go to that Twitter. You can go any day of the week, any hour, and ask a question on there. It will make it onto the show. The same goes for YouTube comments. If you have a question you want answered, ask it in the YouTube comments. And if we like the question enough, right now for just, like, I don't want to say safety measures, but, like, more um, future-proofing, if you see a question you asked liked on YouTube, that means they're going to answer Hard Obviously, whatever. yeah. Obviously, we can't get to every single question that gets asked on YouTube. And I feel like the day I invite someone to ask us questions on YouTube, we're going to get a million questions from random sources. And some of them are going to be jokes. Some of them are going to be serious. So that, that way, that's kind of a disclaimer to know, like, if you're going to, like, ask a troll question, you're kind of wasting your time because it's not going to be even considered to be asked. Um, I think we're going to stop but, doing this at the beginning of every episode, by the way. It's just kind of how we're we're trying to get into this transition piece. Programming, reprogramming. And since this is the first episode, this is going to be the last time that we kind of utilize it as a, a as a time to show for people who are transitioning over to this. Uh, and, of course, the other part of it is that the new format is that used to it was cleaning up any reader mail that was not addressed in the episodes of the podcast when we had the reader mail segment in the podcast, uh, and it was monthly. Now we're going to be doing it biweekly with none being in the main podcast, which keeps the podcast a little more on focus and on schedule of what's going on and gives us time to further elaborate and not feel stretched for time because we lost too much time on a question that was just really good. And it makes these a little more fun and loose and kick back to do. Um, and it's just a good separation. I think it makes sense to do, uh, but we will be switching over to bi-weekly, Like I said, so, uh, we'll have, double the episodes technically as far as reader mail goes uh, than we would have um, but you know what without further ado let's go ahead and hop straight into it Saul what's our first question at their full strength who would want to fight between Cloud and Zach coming from our good boy Josh okay so for anybody who's weird and just doesn't know who we're talking about here Final Fantasy 7 Cloud and Zach uh, are both characters from there Cloud Strife Zach oh lord what's Zach's name I know it why am I Jones <laughs> oh hold on Zach Fair that sounds right that's it yeah Zach Hare Zach Fair uh, anyway so you know that's a great question I'm gonna say I'm gonna say honestly this like, is a completely terrible answer because it's coming from a complete stance of fanboyism it's gonna be it's gonna be Zach it's, it's gonna, gonna be Zach. Zach I'm gonna answer Cloud even though I like Zach more because I know Cloud is technically more stronger than Zach because Zach Never mind. No, not going to say spoilers just in case, but there's a reason he's not in seven. Our boy didn't have Look, time to, to gather potential, but I feel like he would have been stronger than cloud. If he, if he had the same amount of training and time and if events didn't go so unfortunate for him. Yeah. So look, this is what I'm going to say. The reason that I'm a little bit on the fence of it is that pretty much all of clouds self sense of self sense of self um, Bless me. Without going too far, which I think is really kind of dumb to go into spoiler territory at this point. I'm just going to say this. Just in case it ever gets remade, I don't want to do somebody the disservice. Every bit of what I'm Cloud what... has is not ne due to Cloud. Cloud's memories and all these weird things are not necessarily his own. Yeah. And I That's think, all I, I think get most into. people, uh, I think a, but a, most people that know Cloud will uh, know that. Yep. Uh, let's see. 
I'll, why don't you take the next one? Okay, I'm going to pull one uh, from the Facebook. Like we said, if you asked it uh, on the 7th or before the 7th, uh, we will go ahead and get around to All it. All questions will be answered, though. I, don't, I, don't, I, want, I want to stress that. That no, Do not worry. If you uh, ask us questions, if the questions you asked after the 7th, they're there. They're going to get answered next week so or two weeks from now. So Exactly. All right. The question from Facebook shall be, as I scrolled around stupidly, uh, Mr. Liam asks, is Brett sad that he died in the cage aboard our sinking ship? Um, I played Sea of Thieves with Blake uh, and uh, Liam the other night, and they both voted at the very end of the night to put me into the cage, the, the prisoner's of the, the, cage, the, the galley or whatever it's called. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, anyway, and then they sank the ship, and I was just stuck in the cage in a sinking ship. Uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, I'm not sad. It was actually kind of fun and freeing, um, you know. So I, I appreciate that, though. I like that you just kind of stood there and waved and then just swam away as I was dying. I, I like to imagine that's exactly what my real friends would do. Yeah. So. I, I have a question from Twitter from Kiki. I think they're – and he he asked one on YouTube, but I think they're relatively the same question. Um, but his question is, y'all probably are tired of Kingdom Hearts questions. No, bring them on. I love Kingdom Hearts. Do you guys think the next game in the new Kingdom Hearts saga will – have as much hype behind it like Kingdom Hearts 3 had or will it die down and just be meh since it took so long for Nomura to finish the Dark Seeker saga I myself am exhausted with this series but part 2 of this question is do you believe that the hype uh, for Kingdom Hearts is going to grow as the next saga revealed or do you believe it's going to die down if the Dark Seeker saga concludes as its fan base is so essentially, so it's essentially pretty much the same question It's kind of, yeah it is I, I will say right off the bat though I am exhausted with this series in a way I'm excited to finish it but I'm not I'm not really looking forward to the time after because I feel like even though this this entire like last thirteen years of like it supposedly not been in development but coming out. Um, you mean between between two, two and three. or three? Yeah. Which I'm I mean I really every time someone says I have to interject with that's just not fair because when you word it like that for someone who just doesn't know any different about Kingdom Hearts and maybe is just now coming into it it acts like there literally has not been a major release the game in the in, franchise. The game right. Well, I'm talking in, about in, in terms you of know, like twelve us, years. All, like us almost knowing about it because the way two ended, it's like there's not going to be mm -hmm. answered. Which and back is, then, two, the only portable game was Chain of Memories. Yeah, um, and that's so even after two. You and, and Chain no, of Memories? Not, no, it's not. It, it, yeah, it came out before two did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it takes place before two. Right. But essentially, what ends up happening with that is, you know, yeah, I get that. You there was no way for us to tell at the moment that there was going to be two mainline entries that would come out on two different handles. But we have here, being PSP and 3DS. We have been hearing about it for the better part of eight years now. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3? Yeah. We've been hearing about Kingdom Hearts 3 since 2013, so that's fair. I'll say, well, that's technically six years. Yeah, that, but, and that's fair enough. But it feels like longer than that. But yeah, I'm not so much... Like, I'm looking forward to ending the series. I'm looking forward to getting answers. Something tells me, though, that in the back of my mind, there's like there's so much I have questions for. I really hope they all get answered. I don't want stuff to go unanswered. Okay, so a couple of things, and, and, and then I'm going to give my answer. But this is just, it, it's an interesting question that focuses around a day where at work I just literally had a bunch of Kingdom Hearts lore stuff on because I started thinking to myself about Kingdom Hearts, and I was like, wait a minute. There's things that I knew that I hadn't pieced together in the right way 
so like one of the things I thought about is in Dream Drop Distance, it's revealed that... Uh, uh, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold whoa. on. This is just real light. It's not enough to be completely spoiled. And if you don't understand... I wouldn't, games, I wouldn't talk about any of this right now. Well, this is just literally... There are people playing through the games right now before the game comes this out. This is entire speculation and it has nothing to do... Well, whatever. I don't I, really I think that that's, that I don't even think that's fair. Because uh, no, we, we've absolutely. already talked about enough. But look, fine. What I'll say is... I was thinking about stuff that leads to a theory that I will talk to you about off camera that I think is pretty interesting. Technically, I put it in the Discord. So if you've been on the Discord, you it's know what it was. It's in the Kingdom Hearts channel? Yes. That's muted. Okay. So then like, I, I will tell I you, because it's it. not going to be anything that spoils three. It's literally a theory that has to do with all the previous games. Right. That's it. Um, anyway, so leading into that, uh, I started being like, well, what else have I? do I know that I haven't pieced together because it's been... It was given to me in splices of games that I didn't realize when I started thinking about them all together. Uh, So I started looking up different things. And the main thing I wanted to look up was uh, the whole uh, key, Unchained Key, and then Union Cross, the the PC game that was a little like Flash game that came into a mobile game as a remake slash remaster slash... And then the sequel to that game. And then the Union Cross, which was the full-on. So... I looked into that and somebody went into what all that was and it, and it interwove some of the stuff I already knew from back cover. And, and what I learned like in that was like, Oh, if you just look and you actually take, and, and Kiki's been saying this for like a good part of two weeks or so now, the series is complicated, complicated to think about when you, when you've played each of the games apart from each other over the years and it kind of be like, well, it's a little complicated, but then when you literally just pull back and look at everything and just slowly, st- and, and like just look at everything that you know and just start pushing it together and looking at it in that sense, it actually makes a ton of sense and it's not that complicated. But it's it's only when you have all the pieces in one easy puzzle. Right. I feel like people who are playing uh, 1.5, 2.5 or the Story So Far collection um, for the first time or ha- for the first time in a long time. You're also doing series, it wrong if you're playing it in chronological order. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. You mean like story chronological? Yeah, don't yeah, start yeah, with yeah. Burr by Sleep. Play it and release. Or... Yeah, I agree. Uh, but anyway, in that in that token, I feel like they're actually going to be less confused than people who have been fans and playing with a couple years apart from every game because they're all playing at you, once. You naturally forget some things. Right. And, this then, is, and this is why like, uh, I've done it a couple of times where I've refreshed my memory by going and looking at story summary sure. videos, especially, especially for the games um, like Chain of Memories that I haven't played in a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm not... I, I do think to to like fully answer I guess your question your original question is that I do think that there will be not no comparable hype to what the new saga is compared to three. Obviously, there have been many 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 people waiting on three, so hype levels are uncontrollable right now. They're through the roof. I think that seeing a new saga with brand new characters, if that's the way they go, which is what I'm I'm gonna assume they are, because uh, did he say it's completely set aside from the secret saga? They, he said this much so far. He's not sure if this is 100% going to be Sora's last game, but he is entirely sure that every story thread is, is 100% done is ending in this. It's, it's, it's so whether Sora answering. goes on, even if he's in this next series, which he could just be as a cameo, right? He could be in the game without being the playable character, which would be he nice. He could be a summon. Yeah. Or he could be... You well, know. you could do a lot of things. You could essentially... They could pull it in kind of like they did when they uh, on Yu-Gi-Oh! If you watched uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Whenever they did Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, GX, they had it to where he bumps into Yami Yugi on the street. Oh, yeah. I think I remember hearing about that, but I never watched it. And it's like... So you know about him through story stuff. So like Sora could be loosely in the game without having to be the main part. But look, this is what I'll say. I think that... I, I think it's easy to say that you're exhausted with a series, but obviously you're exhausted 
you're exhausted with the idea of more games because your brain's so hyper focused on the fact that this is the last one and that you're just waiting. No, for. no, I, I have uh, a complete I, I, open I, open ability. I guess that's not sure, a word, but but I I'm think, completely open to there being more games. To be fair, series. I'm kind of speaking specifically about Kiki. I do oh, think okay. that he's. I think it's that he's really focused on the fact that he's been waiting on this one and this one has so much riding on it and we still don't know if it's going to answer all the questions or not. We hope it does, right? Yeah, according to Nomura, um, Nomura it is. I don't, I, I find that hard to see in 40 hours. Well, that's what I was getting While at adding the, more plot to the game. Well, that's what I was getting at with the thing of Union Cross and going through all that, which is a little unfair because it is so disjointed from the rest of the series. That, the, those I would that argue, it answers a lot of questions. That was the biggest wrong turn in the direction of my series, or the, in the series of my in my opinion i think only because the platform of release that's what i'm talking about if they would have started on mobile phones even, i mean same thing where it would have been okay it was it was the fact that it was japan exclusive on pc randomly for a long time and apparently has such a i, I need to look at it because i don't know what this is yeah so uh, i mean it's pretty interesting i mean actually. i know backstory because it obviously it was in 2.8 yeah or nine 2.8 2.8 uh but which is an interesting story that's why i talk about lushu so damn much yeah but anyways um but yeah, like I'm, I'm looking forward to three more than I am looking forward to a new trilogy. I really want to wrap this one up before I want to wrap my head around the idea of another trilogy. That's what I was getting or at. Or another series. That's what I was getting at. I think it's hard to imagine yourself getting hyped for the next series uh, in this long-running franchise at this point because of the fact that you're so focused on the fact that you aren't, you haven't even seen the end of this one. I think, honestly, if you put a good five years between three and the next game with no talk about Kingdom Hearts and just let it be a thing, and then five years from uh, after this year, you know, so, what, 2024, they go and they announce a new Kingdom Hearts completely, no no leak or anything. If they can do it the right way and just show it on stage and then show you what it is, I think the hype will be back. But it, I, will, I'll did, agree yeah. that, I will agree that to two points. I think it's interesting. I think for fans of the series that are longtime fans, it won't be able to match the hype of this game because this game is the penultimate end to a long-running franchise that they have a ton of questions about and a long-time investment in, whereas this is a new slate. So the hype will be different, but the upside is, is that people who are fans of Kingdom Hearts loosely but just couldn't get into it because it was too complicated and they just missed too much of it, this is a good part for them to get hyped because if they can hop on and actually stay with this one as it continues to expand and do what they couldn't do with the first game. Uh, and now you could say that there's ways to replay the first series, um, but it doesn't feel the same as constantly playing every game right around release and being like, yes, yeah, I'm in it's, it. it's, it's its own feeling, but yeah, which is crazy. Cause that's going to come up uh, in terms of games on releases uh, yeah. in releases here in a second. Why don't you pick another one for Facebook? Okay. Let me pull over real quick. Uh, Mr. Josh Drago asks, are you guys disappointed about the new Aliens game being on mobile instead of being on the consoles? So in case you don't know what this is, uh, the Alien game that we teased uh, a while back, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, Aliens Extinction. Is it? I don't think it's Extinction. Um, it's. Is it not? Hold up. Alien Blackout. Blackout. Um, I don't know where I got it. So to. Blackout was teased a while back, and we thought it was going to be a, a, a you know a sequel or another game, and and what we saw aliens do uh, with I don't think about the franchise, the arcade game. Oh. Uh, but anyway, a lot of people thought that this was going to be a console game after hell, uh, after how well Isolation did. Uh, and sadly, it was revealed throughout the Christmas time when we weren't doing news. Uh, and it wasn't enough to just put entirely in there. Uh, but it was revealed to be a phone game. Yeah, I am I'm disappointed. really disappointed. And I'm disappointed differently than Saul because I never played Isolation, but I could tell the inherent quality in comparison to the other Aliens game that existed. Oh, yeah. You absolutely need to. So it's it's a it's a rough loss, but 
you know what? I think that they're already seeing a little bit of the air in their ways. It's just so funny that so many long running franchises are trying to make mobile entries when, when they, they have no it's negatively viewed among gamers like the core of the gamers yeah and it's just it's, it's, it's a weird thing uh, but i know that they'll have the casual audience spend money on them and of course that's why aliens is a big enough franchise outside of gaming that's actually the upside diablo going to Absolutely. mobile makes no sense because it's Horrendous. actually a primarily a pc franchise yeah but aliens is a movie franchise it's technically a multimedia franchise tons, at this point and tons of the most hardcore you know uh, PC only gamers they scoff at playing a console. Do you think they're gonna pick up their phone and play a game? No. Do I mean, you guys not have phones? Yeah. Do, they, do y'all not? Do they not have phones? Uh, let's see. Next up question from Twitter from my good buddy Sean. He says, "Can you guys suggest some bands or albums that like uh, you like listening to recently, or just someone you think is very noteworthy to mention?" Thank you, Sean, for the question. Me and Saul got one we can agree on right now. I'm talking about uh, Tiny Moving Parts. My boy. Yeah. Tiny Moving Parts. Did you listen to the new song today? I didn't because I've been really busy. You messed it up. I found out. I'm like, going to listen to it. Don't worry. Apparently, it's a remake from like a 2010 song. Okay. Like, But it never got wildly, like, widely released. So like only select, like only a small group of audience knows that song. Okay. Um, Maybe like a bonus track or a B-side? I think it was a B-side, yeah. Uh, okay. But this is also before they really had a huge audience. So this is more of a callback to the fans who have been there kind of beginning. Yeah. And I only found out about them in like, 2015 and i didn't really listen to them that much well i'm gonna go a little bit in more in depth there i think saw would agree their their album that they released last year uh called swell is so good there's a lot of songs on there that start with w have you noticed that yes wishbone warm hand splash uh yeah i was like dude there's three i know there's more there's so many like i i caught that the other day and i was like listening to that to that album i'm like this thing has a lot of w's it does exactly what i want an album to do it has this perfect flow where every song is good first of all and it has this perfect flow where when you turn the album on all the way to the end it sounds so cohesive yeah like it's all it's all like almost I'm, I'm going to compare it to a play at an orchestra where it, it has a every single song or score they played in that orchestra is set there for a reason. It's in that set list is that numbered song for a reason. Yeah, I, I essentially say, and, and I don't even mean lyrically, I think that totally. even though lyrically there is it, but I think tonally and the fact of what they're doing and the way it's, it's an arrangement. Uh, I love when bands not only know how to write great songs, uh, but also know how to arrange the song so that it has the maximum emotional impact on you. Um, and I think that album does it perfectly. It's essentially... I mean, literally just start it and then finish it. And you'll have this odd feeling if you listen to it all in one sitting. I think that's a great one. Uh, I'll throw a couple more out there. I love Meg Myers. I think I've missed I think I've mentioned her before on the podcast, but she has a new album uh, out uh, that's really good called Take Me to the Disco. And it's a, um, it's more like she does rock and stuff. She doesn't really do screaming, I would say. Uh, but it's more like um, somewhere between like what you'd think from like if – Trent Reznor during the with teeth stage of Nine Inch Nails was a female. She kind of rides around that line, but she goes a little bit more poppy sometimes. But they're all so good. She's an extremely talented musician. I love her. And if her other a, album, Sorry, is also very good. Listen to both of them. If you're into like pop punk style stuff, which I actually find myself listening to more this in this current age of my life within harder stuff for some reason which used to be the exact opposite, but um, there's a band called Belmont and they have a self-titled album that came out late or not. I say late on mid last year. That's very good. Dude. I listened uh, to that album because of that Shinigami song. You dude, showed me. That, it's so good. Dude, That entire album is off the wall nuts. It's now you gotta good. go back and listen to overstepping all their old stuff. Cause it's just as good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very good. But uh, hopefully somebody in the audience uh, has some music tastes that are similar to ours. So um, yep. uh, maybe you guys will find some solace in those answers. 
Oh, I'm going to get my shout out. I always have to do listen to hotel books. See if it's with you. You'll feel things. Uh, if you don't like feeling things and you maybe shouldn't listen, yeah, you'll feel, uh, you'll feel the urge to turn the power button off. <laughs> Saul's a hater, uh, but that's okay. It is okay. Because Saul, I actually hate this argument. I was going to use the age old argument of Saul's never written a song in his life. Um, That's a very pretentious. Well, I can't even speak right pretentious? now. Pretentious? Yeah, I was going to say pretentious. I was trying to mix prestigious and pretentious up. But yeah, that's a very pretentious thing to say of you because you don't know if I have or not. I really don't. But here's I the have, thing. What I'll say is like you've never wrote a song that has been released. I mean, I could say the same thing about you in a book. I have a short story release. Did you know that? Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you if you did. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm saying that I, w- I don't even actually believe in that argument, Wait, but I, I was going to use it for a second. Go ahead and look that up. Look what up? No, no the Oh, the next question. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Sean, another Sean, Mr. Sean Santarude, a patron of ours, uh, he asked, are you guys doing anything special for episode 100 of the podcast? Me and Saul are still in talks about exactly what we want to do. The one thing we know for sure is that we will be streaming in the new studio setup. Um, so we are kind of working that out. We've been slowly having a transition, getting my computer being in here permanently right now. I'm having to tote it between areas, sadly, because I don't have a permanent set a solution for in here. Um, we still got some things that we're wanting to finish up in the studio so that it makes doing these things even easier. Uh, so we are talking about what exactly we want to do, but the one thing that we know for sure is that we will be live streaming episodes that are special like that. Uh, how often we do those, it just depends. But yeah, um, we call those milestone episodes and milestone episodes like that will always be live streamed. And we encourage anybody who listens to us to come join us live, uh, and, and answer, you know, ask us questions, hang out with us while we're doing it. Those episodes are always a lot more loose, uh, than these. Cause they're not really meant to be structured in they a way. Really they're have. more celebra- celebratory episodes. Well, now it's crazy because we used to not do reader mail really during those or news. Now it's really going to be kind of just like a full on topic, topical episode. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think what there is no reader mail to do. I think the way I want to do that is obviously us just have fun and chat and it'd be a little bit more loose structured, uh, but also take, you know, conversations that are happening from those who are joining us live and kind of expand on them and just go into a lot of thought about the different things that people are asking us. And, you know, of course, we'll probably do something kind of like an off topic podcast. (laughs) We like to do stuff like that, though. I, I think. We, we like to do giveaways, but not too often. Uh, you know, the Christmas one was entirely my idea, so I did back that. I bought all the items and whatnot. I did not want to put that cost on Saul. I thought it was a fun idea to do, and very last minute when I realized it was the day we started, I was very like, I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> I, well, saw, I was like scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think we were going to do this. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> but I decided. So. You started on the, on the 12th day of Christmas. Now you got to do the next 13. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, the way that it works out, I, I like doing giveaways. Uh not even just because of the fact that, I mean, obviously the, the go-to thing for most podcasts and why they do giveaways is to try and, and, and entice watchers who may not have found us any other way to not only find our Twitter page uh, or whatever page we're doing the giveaway on, uh, but also hopefully from doing that, finding the show or deciding to give us a listen because they didn't know about us before and then hopefully liking us. I think we have had some luck with that. I think Jason, a new listener from my understanding, uh, and added on to the, the Destiny clan and everything. We actually need to find out a time when we're going to play with him. Yeah, he joined my fire team last night as I was in the kitchen. And, like, I happened to go over there because, like, you know the way my apartment's set up. Yeah. I can see into there. So, like, I went over there to, like, turn my PS4 on rest mode. I, like, he's walking around me and he, like, I think he, he, he waved at me, which is, like, greeted. I think is what it said. It said, it said yeah. his name plus greeted me. And I'm like, oh, I better hit him in Discord and be like, I have a real bad habit of just leaving my PS4 on while I'm doing other things. And, like, I was literally 
I think on Earth, just chilling, standing in one spot. He was like walking around me. I'm like, this is kind of comical. I almost wanted to pick up the controller, like wave back, but like I had potatoes in the oven that had to come out. <laughs> so like literal hot what, potato. Did you hit him up on Discord at least? No, yeah, I hit him up on Discord. Be like, look, man, I'm sorry. I like I have this habit. I'm making potatoes and like ho- like homemade chicken pot pie right now. So yeah. This is uh, not the good time to be saving the universe. Yeah, but anyway, of course, so that's one thing that we like to do. It's just a fun way to get new people into the podcast, of course. And it's just something fun to do and give people out things. Uh, I like doing it with the cases because of the fact that the cases uh, in and of themselves act as like a fun thing where I'm doing them. And of course, they're fun to do for me and they're rewarding for me to do. But I like them when we let other people out there and get in them. So. Shout out to our boy, Chad, who we completely forgot we were supposed to play Destiny 2 with tonight. Oh, I thought about it just when we were talking about that. But I was like, yeah. Hey. Listen, my boy Chad, you know who you are. I'm not gonna dress you by username because I don't know if you want your first name out with your username. But I'm sorry, man. This this right here came up. Uh, this is why we want to record a week early. <laughs> yeah, like this was this was ridiculous. That it, like I texted. I'm on vacation, so like I thought today was Wednesday, and something Brett texted me, um, and I forgot what it was. Like oh, we're talking about recording something, and it came up, and he was like, well, we could just do Sunday instead. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was sitting here thinking about it this morning. I woke up. I'm like, wait a second. His his literal responding text to me was, fuck, reader mail. Yeah. Like, I was like, dude, it's Thursday. We got to do this today. Brett doesn't get to work till five. And then he had some other engagements. But um, anyways, let's get back on the topic at hand. Yeah. Anyway, but so what I was going to say about the giveaways is that I just like doing them because they're fun to do. So on the $100, on the 100 uh, episode one, we'll probably figure out something we want to do as a giveaway it's just something fun that we like to do, and it's it's a cool thing for us to do. Yeah, well, um, there might be a, something that you get signed by us, and we might mail it to you. Ooh, Saul's trying to get fancy over here. Yeah, maybe all in our autographs, because we're rich, uh, famous, Rich, internet. claimed, and famous. We got 100,000 views, and those are a dollar a minute. Uh, the next question that we have, our good buddy Josh, he says, the age-old, the age-old fight between young girls back in the 90s, who was better, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, or 98 Degrees? First of all, 98 who? Because nobody listened to that mess of a band. I mean, they did, but they came... They came at such a weird time. They did this thing where they came too early, almost. Backstreet's And then were not relevant enough, long enough to be able to battle Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Yeah, Yeah, the two titans. So I'm going to go ahead and say NSYNC is better from my childhood perspective, but Backstreet Boys is a better group. Like, if that makes sense. Honestly, if we're going to say this, me and Hannah were talking about this, because of course, like I say... I'm really not ashamed of a lie. It's, you'd be surprised. I like what music I like. I mean, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm and still going to make fun of you regardless. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I make fun of people all the time, knowing that I maybe even listen to the band that I'm making fun of them for. I just think it's fun to mess with people. Uh, but look, in that same breath, me and Hannah were talking, and, and it was like, we were we listened to a Backstreet Boys song, and then we listened to NSYNC song. And I was like, the difference between Backstreet Boys and NSYNC is that NSYNC was really just Justin Timberlake with backup singers. NSYNC was also, you could feel like it was more corporately written oh well so, i mean to be fair they all were but they were definitely leaning in different directions in so. sync was not going as ballad heavy they were more going like i'm gonna be as poppy as i can be in this moment where backstreet boys had a lot of ballads you know they were trying to get in your feels whereas justin timberlake was trying to get in your pants with his vocals uh but my point with that said is that like most of the time when you're listening to in sync it's 99 percent of the time justin timberlake and then a couple of backing vocals that are the other people or There's maybe a, a small line where uh they're a little more out there. I'm trying to remember their names now. I don't know them, but look, what my point I was getting to, and then you can see if you remember what you're talking about, uh, is that when you listen to Backstreet Boys songs, they tend to be, like, I will agree, I think that they're better written from a 
they they don't feel quite as corporately written, even though I think that they obviously were. It's the point of a boy band. Uh, but I would go even further to say that I thought that I think that within the Backstreet Boys uh, songs that you get a better breadth of each singer and getting time with each singer to where it feels like there's a reason for them to each be in the band outside wow. of just being backup singers and dancers. Uh, so I'm going to say Backstreet Boys also because I just got a lot of partial favorites to Backstreet Boys. I was going to say J.C. Chavez. J- Ch- Ch- Chavez? No. Chases? I don't know what that is. Chase. Chase. Um, I, I got him. I actually got him confused with AJ, the guy from Backstreet Boys, because their names are just nicknames. JC. Um, but uh, I do want to throw a quick, another music related one in there from uh, our good buddy Crash. He says, do you ever think the rest of Dance Gavin Dance looks at John Mess's lyrics and say, dude, these are dumb as hell. Of course they do. And I think that's what makes so much of their band like kind of co- so, so tight knit. Because you got these kind of lyrics, by the way, y'all just go listen to Dance Gavin Dance. That's another uh, band y'all should listen to. But pay attention to the Screamers lyrics. That's where the gold is at. I want you to listen to very specifically. I want you to listen to Story of My Bros. You got to go find. Which one? Isn't the one that sounds like a pop punk song in the beginning? No, it's the I'm Smoking... Okay, that's right. Okay, and I'm not going to go into it because I just want you to hear this ridiculous. That is the one that, start, that, is the one that sounds like a pop punk song in the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, y'all, y'all go listen to the Dance Gavin Dance and report back. But I, I like them because they haven't kicked them out yet. Because look, they they are great musicians. Uh, their last few albums they've had with Tillian. Tillian is a phenomenal singer. John Mess is a decent screamer. John, John Mess is a good screamer. It's he's just, he's monotone. Have you heard their cover of Shimmy Charm Life? His parts ruin that entire cover because they're robotic. And he look thing is he's got good form and he can scream right. He 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 understands the basis of how you scream, but he has no dynamics. I think that's in his just the screaming. way he's. I think that's just the way his style is. Like I just well, think that's well, fine. how he goes it's a in bad style. Records. I don't care. I mean that's subjective. And here's the thing: <laughs> it, it works out better in their music because I think they write around it to an extent. They understand that that's his thing, so well, you can keep it, that in mind. It depends but in on that cover. And that cover is not written for their perspective right. and their side. He completely, dude. When Tillian was singing, when that cover first came on, I was like, "This is amazing." Did you ever hear the Bruno Mars cover? No. But I don't even care. My point is that as soon as John... And then the the moment that that cover for semi Charm Life became more screaming than singing, I was like, they've completely ruined this entire song. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to say... Here, I have that song on my Spotify. If you listen to Dance Gavin Dance and you hear that beautiful vocalist and you're like, oh my God, I want to hear more of him, go check out Tides of Man Dreamhouse album. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so much better than anything Dance Gavin Dance has ever Now that's... that's uh, arguable. I just want to anyways, say that's watch, a mess watch, with Yeah, song. why don't you go ahead and get another Facebook out of there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Josh Shoop ask us, have you ever had a fan base kill something for you? Games, Absolutely. movies, podcasts, a case where you liked the product... But the fans were such dickwads that you were that you walked away altogether. Dude, there's there's been a couple times when the fan base has turned me off of of, of products, and it's not even so much of killing it for me. It's more of turning me off from even being interested. Supernatural has like one of the worst fan bases in my opinion, because it's like ninety nine percent fan fiction, and then the other one percent is like serious people want to discuss the series. And I don't like fan fiction. Like that's honestly, fan fiction is cool and all. And like us, like it's cool that you do it. But some of the fan fictions I've heard for Supernatural is like, why? Why did you do that? That's that's obviously you just wanting to write fantasy novels. Yeah, it's a fan with these characters. It's the whole point. I mean, it's people wanting certain things to happen between characters. Certain sexual so things. So they just do too them, many yeah. sexual things. That's the thing that's funny about fanfic. Fanfic is almost always sexual. Yeah. 
Um, but I will say, I would like, actually appreciate because like you can talk about fanfic in general is just taking a world that's not yours and making your own stories in it. So if you wanted to go into that, it depends on how it's done though. Cause sure. if it's done right, it's done fantastically. Fantastically. They, fantastically. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my example was like, okay, do you remember that, uh, long, it, it was the one kid or whatever. It may be a small group, but I'm pretty sure it was one guy. And then a group of people that he got to support him for like voice acting and whatnot like that, that made the entire, I can't remember the name of the, the, the mod, but it was like an expansion mod for Skyrim that had full voice acting, a full story, yeah. a new Island, new quest, new areas and completely. And then he got hired on a bungee, um, which I was a cool that mod either, but look, it was a really, it's like fall, fall frostfall. It's something with an F, but I can't remember it. But essentially look, that's essentially a fanfic. That's somebody doing what they want to within the the realm of the fiction of of. It's not. That's another mod I'm thinking of. That it's called Frostfall. That's a okay, um, mod. But anyway, so my example that, that's just a great example of somebody doing good fanfic. But the fanfic that you hear about when people normally say fanfic, it's typically shipping fanfic where they're trying to get people together and uh, in very sexual ways, and, or at least sexually charged ways. Even if it's not quite sexual, they do a lot of things to try and float this little thing and you also know that because of fan drawings i mean how many times have you looked up kingdom hearts and seen forgotten city for skyrim oh, okay um anyway but have you how many times have you looked up kingdom hearts and saw a thing where it was like uh, too many, Axel too many, and too many. i don't want to hear it. i don't even want to hear it. too many that's how many too yeah, many it's bad uh but sometimes the fans for certain things like i can't think of anything right now but i know for sure some of the fans like honestly i used to be a really big fan of rooster teeth uh, back in Red versus Blue days when they first started, going into like 2008, nine, and then when they started coming out with the uh, Rusty podcast, uh, before it was actually called that, it was called Drunk Tank, and it was audio only. And then they started making live actions of those. It became a full-on production. Some of the Rooster Teeth fans are some of the most disconnected fans in the world. Monty Um, who we all know was the creator of Ruby, when he died, when he passed away. Mm-hmm. His wife literally had to go on Twitter today. To tell people because some of the fans, one of the characters held another's hand in like a comforting way, not like a romantic way. Yeah. And people were saying they shouldn't be gay. And like they were screaming, Monty did not want this. That's pretty fucked up. See, that's the problem with dying when you're not able to complete something and it goes on because people want more of even, it. Even in context, even if it was something like that. Like well, what, I, a, what, a ter- what, a, what a stupid thing to really complain that, about. There are certain things about productions that have gone on at Rooster Teeth where I'm like, that they probably didn't want that to happen. Uh, that probably didn't want that. Like That is more of a, oh, we're going to do this for the money thing instead of like wanting to actually do this. Because you can kind of get the vibes of people you, when you listen to them so much, like on the podcast and stuff, you can kind of get like how they are versus sometimes how they portray themselves. And it kind of becomes a thing of like, well, who am I listening to that's real here? The person on the podcast or the person advertising this product? And you know, it's we're. I honestly think that probably some people are going to listen to that and give us flack for that. But look, here's here's a real thing. I mean, and this just is what it comes down to. We are not there, so we obviously have a different look on it. It's Rooster, an Rooster Teeth is people who were just like us at one point, dude. Literally in a spare bedroom, like we were. But what ends up going on is that. They are multi-billion, probably at this point. I don't think it's billion. They, but regardless, they're they're a multi-million-dollar company at this point, and they have a lot on the line, not just for themselves, but for anybody that they employ. And when that starts to happen, you do sometimes have to say things. Twenty-five million. You do have to say things that you may or may not believe in, or you have to not say things that you may believe in, so that you don't sit there and and sometimes ruin what you have going on. 
Uh, it's an unfortunate thing about being in a business is sometimes you have to disguise who you really are and fear that. And everybody has done that to an extent. So everybody will. I mean, that's just yeah. Everybody, yeah. Everybody has put themselves and said like they saw something that they did not like, and they're like they didn't. That's not how that should be. That's not yeah. what they would have wanted. And like it's a snap to reality when it's like you don't know that really. That's the other thing. He's dead. He literally can't even tell you what he wanted. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe in his and mind, I, before he, before he died, he was like, real, "I'm working on making these two characters fall in love." The real slap is you his never wife know. being like, "This is not. You don't know. This is what he wanted." Yeah, he's like, "You didn't know him." <laughs> like it put that real disconnect of like, just because you watch this show and you think you're a fan of, the, or because you're a fan of the show and you think you know him, you don't know this man. Dude, so shut up. Like th- she basically said that. Yeah, that's what's so wild about podcasts. Uh, and, and I would argue that it's true to an extent, but it's never that you know somebody all the way. And I think that podcasts are such a weirdly one-sided, definitely when they start to get big like that, uh, and even TV shows, anything like that. They're all, but definitely podcasts, because you get to hear more of the person going on about things that they do or don't like. and things. You get to learn more about who they are. But what ends up happening is that people get this weird sense that they know somebody when they don't. And then they talk to them and are talk to about them like they know them, but it's not fair because it's kind of a one-sided affair. There are people that listen mm. to Joe Rogan so much that they feel like they know who Joe Rogan is. And I mean, I think it's fair enough to say that you probably know a lot about Joe Rogan. Um, but when you think about it all the way through, Joe Rogan doesn't know who all these individual people are. It's, it's impossible. I mean, these uh, a, a crazy amount of people can listen to him and form an opinion of who he is based off of what he said. They have no clue who he is, but it makes this weird sense where people feel like they're owed something because they feel like they know this person so personally. And Saul and I get that too. Or an they extent. think that a direction's going in a way that even the the person doesn't want. And and everybody, like I said, I said that earlier. Like I don't think he would have wanted that. I wouldn't know because I don't know that man or or woman, whoever it may come down to. Yeah. But just so the record shows, I am, I am like, I do watch Rooster Teeth still. Like I do, like I got back into them after certain things have happened, which I'm sure you guys can find on Twitter. If you already don't know about it, um, which can maybe shed light on why I left them in the first place. But anyways, like it's a very like easy thing for a fan base to mess up the product. But when you go into it with a head of like the fan base doesn't represent the product, but True. I, there's also that, that side of that where like, I don't want to be known as a fan of that fan base. Rick and Morty is a perfect example. That is the most perfect example. You know, I watched the full first season of Rick and Morty, and then I saw all that crap going on, and then all the stuff. This was way before uh, the sauce. Oh, uh, yeah. What's it called? The Szechuan sauce. S- S- yeah, Szechuan. The Szechuan. What is it called? Szechuan <laughs> The Mulan Szechuan sauce. Yeah, so even – but it was before that. But even then, it was like it amplified that there was that, that like uh-uh. It's not something I wouldn't it, be looked look, into. And it's, what's funny gotta, is that it made a joke against it. So it was literally people were, because the whole thing is, is they, they call it a toxic fan base, which, I mean, I get tired of everybody calling everything toxic to an extent. It gets a little, and after a while, you get tired of everything being called toxic because everybody wants to blow anything to the max of what it can be. It has to be toxic. It can't just be a slightly messed up fan group. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to that vocal group because, right, I love, I love Rick and Morty. Exactly. How and often do you how often do you really see me going around uh, talking about it, uh, sharing stuff about it? I love plenty of things, but sometimes I like things and I just don't worry. So my answer to the question, real quick, is actually no. But that's because I normally don't really care about what the fan group's doing, though I do get to an extent that. What it is, is in my mind, there's a separation between the two. I don't think that you should ever let the. Uh, you just said it. The fans do not represent the product. They do not represent the art. 
So in this sense, I don't care that the Rick and Morty fans are buttholes. They are, and they made a, not all, obviously, but this group, definitely the ones that freaked out at McDonald's over this freaking sauce that's dumb. Dude, it, it like, it, it'll disconnect you. That, but that's when you got to take a step back and like think, like, this isn't the show. And like, this isn't, Justin Roiland, who made Rick and Morty, has no control over this. Exactly. Which is the thing for everything. However, I will say... That's why I went back and tried to watch Supernatural. Boy, that show got some god-awful special effects. Oh, yeah. It's like Doctor Who. Dude, I love Smallville. I went back and watched Smallville. I'm like, I can't watch this. That show has about... That, that, Doctor Who's another one, not so much for the fan base, but because of the special effects. Yeah, Doctor no. Who has a really cool premise. Yeah. Of like a story of how like but a it's Time Lord... Power Rangers from the 90s special effects. It does. It's, today. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll answer another question real quick. We went on that tangent for a little too long there. Yep. Um, Co- uh, Corey asks, he says, what have been your favorite PlayStation title to launch with one of the consoles? I can't answer this question. The funny thing is, I can't answer this question for any game console. Really? I never got a game console at launch. Ever in my life have I got a game console at launch except one is considered and that's the 360. So okay. King Kong. <laughs> the game was good. Yeah, I, I, actually a lot of people said that, but I never played it. So um, like, I really can't say that. Like The closest I ever got was the 360. The Nintendo 64 I got. like what? When did the Nintendo 64 came out? Because I got that Christmas. No, no, no. I know that, but I'm talking about like month-wise. Uh, because April. I, don't, I actually don't know. I was going to say that. Tell me. Uh, Watch it be April 96. That's going to be funny. I'm just going to type in release. I'll spell it wrong because it's September. So I got it like, what is that? Four months after it came out. So three months. Yeah. Three months after it came out. I don't know why I said four. But yeah, so I got it three months after it came out. The closest I got was the Switch. And that was three weeks after it came out. Okay. Because I, I was casually strolling through Target. And I, I, me and Annie, we were walking through. And they were hard to get at the time. They were very hard to get at the time. And they were worth $500 and $600 on eBay for people selling them. Uh, and I remember we walked by and I just happened to like look over and there was like one in there. And I flagged the guy down at Target. I'm like, is that a display case? Like, what is that? That's a real switch in there? He's like, yeah. I'm like, ring me up. Like, I'm on it right now. Um, which was two weeks after launch. I got that. I got Breath of the Wild. And I think I got Mario Kart. Um but yeah, so that really is the only system I ever got a, like real within a launch window. That and the 360. Uh, I got the PS3 pretty close to launch, uh, so I'm definitely going to give that one. I think uh, one of my favorites, realistically, I mean, really, I love Resistance: Fall of Man. That's a great launch title. Uh, technically, it was really good. It, it looked beautiful at the time. It was doing a lot of stuff. It was one of those games where the the early PS3 days, because I would actually put Motorstorm in this realm too. The jump from PS2 to PS3 was so different than the jump from PS3 to PS4 because the jump from PS3 to PS4 was like, well, a lot of the same technical like or what I should say mechanically inclined things that came from the technical aspects uh, are the same. You're just doing it at a larger amount or, or uh, in a more beautiful way because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I really loved in Shadowfall. Uh, but when we're going back to the PS3, jumping from the PS2, which did not have the same stuff, like a couple of games got close. Like EA's Black got pretty close to being like being able to shoot between rails and that, stuff. That wasn't a released game, was it? Yeah. That was a PS... No, 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 no. Sorry, I get what you mean. No. That game came late PS2. Right. But my point is that the jump it from PS2 like to PS3... Yeah. The PS2 uh, had the closest thing that it got to being somewhat next-gen by doing things that you expected on the PS3 once you started playing it. Uh, it got kind of close. But the thing I loved about Resistance uh, is that... And Motorstorm. Actually, I'll go ahead and throw Motorstorm in there. The technological jump of not only the cool lore of... The, of uh, there's a... 
number of things I love about the Resistance franchise. I like going back to a time period that I normally think is overused in games. Even at the time that it came out, it was already being overused from the PS2. It went back to World War II and said, well, how do we make a World War II game that isn't just more of the same crap? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to make an alternate history game. World War II is going on, and instead of us finishing that out, an invasion is going to happen and we're going to be dealing with aliens, which means our tech gets bumped up from the fact that we're killing aliens sometimes, getting their weapons, understanding how they work and trying to, you know, re reverse engineer things around so that we can stand a chance against these creatures. So it gave you great fun weapons and a cool world that had sci-fi stuff. But from a gameplay perspective, the way that made it feel so amazing and, and like really like, I can't believe this is a launch title doing this much to convince me on this system it was mechanically the whenever the chimera are running around uh the, their hybrids uh the ones that we, we never saw a pure chimera in the whole series it's actually a shame um but when they were running around the first game you could shoot their heat stacks which was on their back because it was made to pull off their their they could heal a lot quicker uh because they're um what is it whenever your your metabolism their metabolism was so amped up that uh it made them heat like it made them hot so to relieve some of that heat they had these heat stacks put on them you could shoot the heat stacks which would make them overheat and blow up that was fun another thing you could do uh, if you didn't want to do that if you really wanted to play it out and just be like well this is cool it's not necessary by any standard but it's really cool they had hoses that were like no2 hoses that would move stuff throughout the heat stack right you could shoot the hoses and they would bust open and start leaking air. And if you shot all of them, it would shut off and it would make them blow up that way. And it was like, this is so amazing at how detailed this game is and a time period where you're coming from PS2 where that detail just wasn't like that. Yeah. And then the same thing was true of MotorStorm when you're racing and like you wreck the person beside was you. Was MotorStorm a release date? Yeah. Or release yeah. Title? Launch title as well. Launch title. Um, and so you could like literally ram in. It was the first game I had for the system as well. Uh, but you could literally ram into somebody uh, and then pause it and then you could swing the camera around to see what parts were flying away and stuff. That's pretty cool. And uh, what what I loved about it is that it, like, at the time, again, you're used to playing PS2 games with racing, and, like, the damage and stuff wasn't that real. This game, you get in there, you wreck into this person, you pause it, and you look, and you see their axle fly off, their hubcaps flying off, the wheels over here, bolts are flying around. And you're like, what is this crazy level of detail that you only saw at the beginning of that generation when everybody was trying to prove their tech? You remember Far yeah. Cry 2? Yeah. Far Cry 2 had stuff in it that we haven't seen in the franchise since. Cutting trees in half with your gun, uh, cutting even small branches off. S ridiculous. Didn't they have like really cool wall destruction too? Yeah. Because I know Battlefield Bad Company had some yeah. amazing wall destruction and but stuff. But that's what I mean. It's one of those games where it was everybody was trying to play, go against Crisis, you know? And Crisis had so much stuff that was like, oh, we're being simulation. So we're going to do a lot of simulation stuff on here. And it was just a cool time period in games. Uh, but PSP real quick will be my last one, and I go to it all the time. Nothing matches the time period and the fact that I love the game so much. The uh, Untold Legends Brotherhood of the Blade uh, was a launch title for PSP that I immensely enjoyed. Hmm. So speaking of this, in kind of the same vein, uh, our good buddy Enrique says, so gaming has evolved tremendously graphics-wise, and we have voice acting now, motion capture, and we've even reached VR gaming. What do you guys think will be the next big gaming evolution? more expansive and detailed game engines more detailed like and i mean by that in terms of like its ability to handle expansive and yeah, detailed like worlds when it, when it rains in gta 5 it just rains but there will be spots in gta 5 where clouds are dark and it's raining harder 
and lightning is more prominent over there and there may be hail over there but not across the map yeah um stuff like that where it's where it's truly st- like little features isolated weather stuff yeah. like that and then like you'll see puddles rise up and stuff in areas with heavy rain and if it's downhill it'll actually drain you could see it go out in the street which can affect driving or you could see it go into a drain which is if it's drained properly stuff like that that's the future for right now. No more res- like no resolutions. Which, no. Here's the thing rate. about that though. Those are things that are really really expensive to do because it oh, takes a lot of crazy very, hard work to do. Yeah, it's so very, I think the tip top of games you'll see do stuff like time that. Time and money, like. But that's heavy. the reason you don't still see it. Like Far Cry Two did it, and then it, it didn't really gain anything because of it. Far Cry Three came out and didn't well, have any of that. Well, stuff. we're gonna hit was, the power ceiling that I've talked about a lot, where it's gonna be 60, 60 frames, four K. Which sure, but or, it's still about the man hours it takes to set up simulations that are gonna run like that. Oh, dude, that's just gonna be the nature that comes with next gen gaming. As gaming keeps going so. by and by, it's not just gonna get more prettier. I don't think so. It's gonna run better. I, I mean, I get it's what he's be more saying. Attention to detail. I honestly think that there's no real way for us to know because there's so many things that are going wild that I don't. I, I think honestly. I mean, if you want to say what the next big thing in gaming is going to be, it's realistically probably going to be streaming, which doesn't sound like a big thing in gaming. And yeah, we're doing it to an extent right now. But look, but, at, look at Red Dead. And I know Red Dead took forever yeah. to develop, but like you could honestly tell me like five years from now, if I wasn't in the games and I played Red Dead, you could tell me, hey, this is an early like this generation game. And I would probably believe you. Like you could tell me or like you could tell me Red Dead is an early next gen game. I would believe you. Like that, that game could launch on on next gen. Of course, it needs to look a little bit prettier. Sure. Maybe have a little bit more performance pro- or uh, performance uh, fixes. But yeah, like I would fully believe you. Um, and there's a lot of attention to detail in that game. Yeah, but I just feel like the power ceiling is one thing. Realistically, we all know that we real that everybody spends a lot of time, including us. I mean, gr- gorgeous graphics or gorgeous art style, one way or the other, because they don't make the entire game. Yeah, you can eventually, when you're pushing for this realism, you can hit a power cap eventually, which I don't know if we'll ever really hit it, but you'll hit diminishing returns to a point where you don't feel like it's worth trying to push the tech anymore. I don't know how close we are to that, to be honest, but what I was getting at is that realistically, games do a lot to be beautiful in ways that, okay, like one example of a game that I thought was just really beautiful was, uh, sadly, the the Forgotten Key which is the the developer is closing down, uh, but that air memories of old game had a great oh, yeah. art style and it looked beautiful and I really enjoyed the way that it looked and it performed fine and I think that honestly trying to figure I, I think that you can always go towards the power route and of course there's always going to be those big budget games but I think that the day to day I mean yeah we're getting more AAA games than ever. Uh, but we're still in that weird window where a lot of the year is really padded out by a lot of great indie games and mid-tier games. And I think that those are obviously not going to be able to hit that power ceiling and use it in the same way. So I don't really want to use that as the next thing. And that's also kind of the obvious evolution. I don't necessarily know that everybody thought that VR was going to come back the way it did. Because VR technically existed with Nintendo back with the, you know, they, they've done the VR Boy. to an extent. Nobody thought it was going to come back like this, and nobody, everybody thought it was going to be dead by VR now. VR was a not. thing in the early '90s too in malls. Like people don't remember that, but there used to be these mall kiosk gaming like sensors, like kind of like you see now, like the Ferris rides and stuff. And like everybody remembers the Disney movie Blank Check when he had that VR unit in his mansion that he bought. Oh, he did have one of those, did he? <laughs> yeah. I was more obsessed with uh, what was in that mansion that was really cool. Was it, it was something big? 
I don't remember. Dude, that was a good movie. If y'all have never seen Blank Check, you need to go see but it. But I remember right the now. VR section vividly because I was like, what? Because you're young, or I was. I mean, you were too, I guess. Did he use it in the mall? No, uh, he was in his house playing. But it. I'm saying, like, at any point in the movie, did he use it in the mall? I, don't think like, so. I was thinking of a movie in my mind that's old, like that movie. Yeah, I, I, I was know. like, I remember seeing that in a movie. But I, I remember like, being in his mansion and I was freaking out. In my mind, part. I was like, oh, you're talking about the big you, screen. If you have enough money, had. you can do this. Nobody had the goggles on and everything and hands, and he was punching. It honestly could have been a virtual boy. I was too young to even know, but I thought that was not a virtual. In boy. my mind, I was like, "He's playing a game with that, and this is amazing." But nobody would have necessarily thought that would have come back around. Random people that we can't even expect drive those things forward. So I think streaming is the safe answer to an extent, even though it's not a big way <laughs> that changes how games are played. I rewatched Blank Check, and my childhood is ruined. <laughs> Oh, anyway, my point being is I don't know. I can't, I don't think that, I don't think anybody could have, you know, I don't think anybody can say what the next big thing on the internet is going to be. I don't think everybody predicted it was going to be social media. I mean, you can predict a number of things, but there will obviously be something that comes along that changes the way we play games. And until then, I mean, it may be AR because right now VR is the bigger of the two. AR may mature to a point where I want to see amazing. VR get better. I just don't, I don't, I don't know if it will or not. Yeah. I keep saying it won't, but now I'm like, maybe it will. I don't know. It's technology is weird and it fluctuates. What about a question on Facebook? Are we done? Um, hold up. I think I did something weird. Oh, here we are. Uh, oh, well, it's technically one that we've already answered by nature, but Mr. Vincent Hole asks, since Bungie has split from Activision, what are some changes that you predict for Destiny? Uh, Howdy, partner. Go check out episode 94 of Triangle Squared. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, we've already uh, handled that. And for anybody that did not see in the last reader mail or the episode before when Saul said howdy real under his breath and tipped his hat. Yeah, it it was last episode. Yeah, you got to go find it. Brent didn't even notice I did it. He was sitting next to me. It was hilarious Um, when we found it. But uh, yeah, like we we basically were both cautiously excited now that we actually can blame Bungie as well. We're excited to see what they can do. Uh, Most influential (laughs) video game of all time to both of you, Josh Shoup. Ooh, this is kind of easy for me, at least. Most influential game? Mm-hmm. Mario. <laughs> no. His in he influenced the gaming world coming back from its decline. But uh, go ahead. What was yours? What what's what's your easy answer that mine's I'm not... more more influential for me, not for. Uh... Oh, okay, I'm thinking. I guess influential. Yeah. Okay. I guess it depends it, on what you mean by it his helped question. In, it helped influence me play more games that I wouldn't have played or, or play more types of games. Sure. And that's a link to the past. See, I, honestly, my first one of the first things I said, but that was also an influential to the industry. Is what my it, it mind was, was thinking. Yeah. Uh, but and like, that answer is good for both. For me, yeah. For me specifically, like that was the first game I got to play where I was like, oh, I can use a sword and a shield and a boomerang. Sign me up. And yeah. then I was like, more, can more games do this? It's actually funny because I actually bought Golden Sword on Game Boy Advance, or Golden Sun, I'm sorry, Golden Sun on Game Boy Advance because it reminded me, even though inherently they're very different games, but it reminded me so much of A Link to the Past. That That's why I got it. And like I was like, this is a really, I got it from the box art. Like, yeah. You know, when you're a kid and you don't have internet, it's like, that game looks cool. It's called Golden Sun. And it looks enough like Zelda from the art that I... Yeah, it looked enough like a game I was familiar with. And I was like, I got, I'll get it. And that, that was yeah. a good decision. Um. I'm going to go, if we're talking about influential to us, I think it'd be, I think I'd be remiss to say that it wasn't, 
either. I, I'm not even. You know what? I, I could say Crash Bandicoot, but I'm honestly going to say Kingdom Hearts, and I think that's because Kingdom Hearts was a segue into serious, serious gaming for me, uh, for a lot and games that are a lot longer than I was used to playing. Uh, at, at the times that I started them, it got me into action games because it had action elements. It got me into RPG games because it had RPG elements. It got me into Japanese games because it was Japanese. I think that, you know, I played other things before it, but I did not understand them all the time, like all the way through. Uh, so, like, I played Final Fantasy IX before Kingdom Hearts, but I didn't understand a lot about it and I didn't beat it. I just played it. Uh, I went back after Kingdom Hearts 1. And played Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy IV and five and six. I don't think I played one, two, or three at all. I was gonna say I didn't. Uh, I don't think I played through all the way through six. I mean, you gotta fix that. Um, but anyway, so it gave me a love for things that I still love to this day, and that influenced my purchases and my hype levels for different things this day. Of course, the fact that I'm hyped for Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, but if I want to say to the industry. That's a really hard question. I mean, I think my my Mario answer may actually be pretty legit. It's it's a literally Mario saved the industry. Yeah, it was influential in the fact that it got it it came out, did well, and then it got people back into trying to make games for a home market and in in a way that wasn't just trying to be a cash shell out. It wasn't yeah. trying to be shovelware. If Mario never did what it did, I don't know if we would have video games today. Like it's kind of crazy to think about. It yeah. created a massive chain of events that created the industry that we are in right now today. Um, so. Kudos to you, little But if I wanted to say boy. another one, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a slightly different answer. So if I want to say one that I think has been influential to a lot of people from the way they look at games and the way that they go about making their own games, uh, I, I want to say I think Ico or Absolutely Shadow of the Colossus not. are both. Hold on, hear me out as to why. Because uh, you said to a lot of people, and, and Ico is a very unheard of game. In a well, way. no, what I mean is industry wide. Oh, okay. Okay. And I thought you were talking the, about more like from an emotional standpoint. From oh no, if okay. you want to say for me, yes, I think Ico and no, Shadow Colossus are both amazing. But like, if you like, it's not a very maybe it is now. That, but when like, I say it's like, the way that developers look at why they're making their game, I think changed for a lot of people when they played Ico and they realized because you got to think of that beforehand, a lot of people did not really make story driven games. They made games that were more about, well, how exactly does this game play? And then we'll put a story that kind of helps facilitate the playing that we're wanting to happen. Whereas that's a game that's like, well, you're not really worried about killing anything. There's no real enemy. There's just people there's Well, there's enemies, but you can't really do anything about them. You're just trying to protect yourself and, and this girl. And it was more about how can we make this game resonate with you on an emotional level? And I think that there's something to be said about the game doing that and an extent you can say other games tried, but they always also had gameplay to fall back on. So I think that having a front focus thing of what we're going to do is make a game that has very, very limited mechanics that you're going to understand. And you're going to be able to do stuff with them that is rewarding, but it's more about understanding the way the game and its mechanics and everything tie together to make an emotional resonance with you. And I think that people took that and then carried that forward to make their own games. That's why you see a lot of games using the Ico style and some games try and use the shadow of the Colossus, but Ico is more the footprint that a lot of people use because you saw it with rhyme. I'd even say Air Memories of Old is a game that's very disconnected from combat. It's really more a game about moving through a series of events and understanding how they're affecting the people it's around actually, you. It's actually, it's a very, like, I don't want to say popular, but it's a very common theme or trope that are in indie games nowadays. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that there's a I lot of games that are made around that that thing. of What are we going to do? We're going to make a game that's more focused on having an experience with the game, and that's it. Yeah. Not the gameplay. 
uh, and you're going to talk about it with people for different reasons. You're not going to go around and be like, dude, I did this sick kick flip, backflip, whatever, you know, and then I killed this guy this way, this way, and that way. What did you do? I think it's more about like, oh my God, guys. And what I like about it as well is that Journey. it's the same experience for everybody. Yeah. But everybody interprets it differently. Yeah. So it's like, you can all talk Especially about the exact rhyme. events that happened, but everybody you has this incredibly different take on them. And I think that that was important to the way game makers wanted to, And I think that you could see people who are inspired to make games that resonate with you more than just because they played well. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, let's see. Is this our last question or do we have one more over there? I think that we're, we're out on Facebook. From the okay. Summit. So we have our last question up from our buddy World End on both Discord and on YouTube. He says, how far would a main character have to go in a game to be too far for you? Let's say a character that you actually like, you like the personality, the design, and you see his motivation of why he might do some controversial things. Even with all of that, is there a limit that he can do? Uh, is there a limit to what he could do uh, that would dis- that would cause you to dislike the character so much you could even drop the game? Probably not. Um... Unless it's like some kind of weird far left field direction that was very un like very surprising. I can't even think of like an example of this though. I can't think of an example in my mind. And I think that that's why he's using this as a, um, well, I can't think of it right now, the, the word you use for it, but it's not saying that it's actually existing and that there is one, but if there, if it was going to happen, what do you think it would be? Well, he actually gave it? an example of Batman and Arkham Knight with the Alfred dilemma. And Arkham Knight? Yeah, maybe it was Arkham... That's not Arkham City, is it? Arkham Origins, maybe? I'm going to look on YouTube. I, I, I assume he's the talking about the, very, the end thing in Arkham Knight. Maybe. Um, but look, what I'm going to say is... I don't think so. I don't think that there's anything that can happen that would make me... That would be, be because of a character that I like already going through. Or even a character I don't like. Because... There's times where characters just aren't well written, but I think if if you have a character, there's times where characters do things that I don't agree with that I still move through because I'm trying to understand why they did it, or you put yourself in their shoe and try to and, and try and understand why they did it. I think it depends on how you look at games. I don't tend to look at games as me doing things through people unless the game is having me do them. Oh, he says one example for me is Batman Arkham City where he had to be blackmailed by Alfred and Oracle to save 1,000 people instead of saving oh, one criminal. yes, we've talked about this. Yeah. And that was because of Talia. Uh, fun fact. Did you know that there's actually a scenario that's done in psychology that is related to Batman and the Joker? And the Joker has a Minecraft, or a Minecraft, a minecart, and it's on... Uh, one and it can fork off the two and at each fork there's one person or a family of people you're killing a family of people you're killing one person who do you kill that's actually like a, a thing done in psychology yeah. that's a test and I, that there's a name for that kind of test but people often use batman and joker as that test because batman is known to be the one to not kill anybody yeah so do you not touch it because technically you did not kill them joker did because then the second you take action you are responsible for that action true so that one's kind of weird for me, but honestly, I'm, like, I'm I'm going back through games that I've played where a character was just doing 100% everything that I was like rooting for, or not even rooting for, but understanding, and then flipped. And it's very, very hard for me. It's, and there's a couple movies where that happened in, um, but as a game, well, look, I don't think so. I'm not going to say what it is, but one that I think a lot of people were like kind of weird about uh but most people, I think, sided on the fact that they understood it, whether or not they agreed with it, the ending of The Last of Us, right? 
What yeah, Joel does. Yeah, that's not really, that's not out of his character, though. It's exactly. But it's not out of character, but it is a crazy thing for, because uh, Joel is likable, even in the moments where he's kind of treating her like crap, because you understand why. Everything that he does that goes against what you would necessarily agree with, you always have this weird thing where you're like, I begrudgingly kind of understand where he's coming no, from. No, yeah, like, it's it's one of those things, like, I, I feel like his question is always tailoring towards, like, is there an action or something they can do to make you drop the game or and, dislike And I'm going to use his example, right? And he's we've talked about this before and how he feels like it's out of character for for Batman uh, to try and go towards Talia when there's these thousands of people that could die if he goes towards her. It's the history. But this is what I'm going to say too. And that's why I told him, I don't Not that think I agree with it. I don't think it's out of vain because, and if I recall right, I think his argument was that it doesn't matter. He's Batman, regardless of the fact that he's human, he knows he's supposed to be more. But what I liked about it is that in the game, when it's talking about that, it actually, it shows why, to me, it shows why a superhero needs a team of people who understand what the point of his mission is so that whenever he naturally handles things in a human-like way, which this is a human-like way, when something happens that you have an emotional investment in, sometimes you can't control yourself and you're going to act in a rash way that is not really logical or with your normal way of thinking, but it's because you're doing it because it's something you care about so much that you're letting go of all your inhibitions to try and go after it. So him having this group of people behind him to actually sit there and go, Bruce, this is not who you are. This is not what you do. This is not Batman's mission. This is not what people expect when they think about Batman. Batman's a symbol of hope. You've got to stick with this or you're going to let these people down. That's not blackmailing in my opinion though i do get what you mean by it i think that it's a moment to show you that humans can even be human in mo or human superheroes can even be human in moment and that they need that group of people behind them so i don't consider that an act where it's like batman gonna go and try and save her instead of saving a thousand people is an act where it's so bad that it makes me not like him in that game anymore i actually thought of that as a real sobering moment of like this is exactly a, what a, a superhero a, a, game a needs yeah it's a fall that he has yeah and, and that's expanded the thing upon. And you need that because that whole game is full of him. I don't remember you know? that though. I've recently replayed through it, so that's why I remember it so well. I, mean, I really need uh, to play through City and or, uh, Night again. But definitely, whenever I, I replayed it, I was like, man, I feel that like, this is a great moment. Uh, and I feel like you need it across the board. I mean, I think that it makes more sense to do things in that way. I think the same could be said of a set of Spider Man and Spider Man knowing the MJ's around and that. There's Does Connor when count? someone else knows there's somebody to be accountable. Does my my playthrough of Detroit count with Connor? Technically, you made the decision. I know. That's why I shouldn't count. But that <laughs> that was dumb. See, and now that's the other part that's weird about this question. I, I mean, I guess my answer is no. I cannot see a situation where there's a character that I like, that something happens, and I immediately hate him. Uh, and what's funny is that I tend to think that if you write a character well, even characters that are meant to, or even characters that do things that are obviously supposed to be dislikable, you can find ways to make them likable. Uh, this even, is like a short thing. I haven't watched it yet, but somebody was talking about this new show on Netflix called You, which is about a stalker. And they said that the show spends a lot of time actually setting up the guy who is the stalker to be likable. And I thought that's exactly what I you like want that. to do. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's, that's what you want to do. That's good filmmaking. And it, that's, the thing that's is, that's he's still doing something and, that's awful. Yeah, like, and then there's, Plenty of, like, have you ever watched a Clockwork Orange? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's the exactly. same thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in terms of a video game, 
I can't really think of one. But that's what I'm going to get to with Connor real quick. I, I'll finish that. And maybe it'll lead you towards something that you were going to say. But Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't include that game at all because that's all done by my actions. Exactly. That's, what, that's what's so weird about gaming is sometimes characters are written, and technically all of his actions are written. They're all just well, multiple paths you I, can I take. Think, I think he's, he's specifically talking about a predestined path that you sure. cannot change. I want to so, say no, but it's, I, I like the question. I just genuinely can't think of something that would shake me because I, I try to look at the depth of what's going on with the character. I mean, I think there's a difference between a poorly written character. Now, when there's a character that has something happen because of just bad writing, that's different and that's less excusable. But when it's something that's well written, but an action that happens, and you could say that the Batman thing is bad writing because it goes against who Batman is, but I think that we view the intent of that moment differently. And that's just one of those things where perceptions, like we said. Maybe Cortana and Halo. The whole like little thing going on with her in Halo 5. Like being trashed as an AI and everything. Yeah. That might count. Why don't you guys let us know in the comments below, though? Like, let us know in the comments. Let us know on our Discord. Let us know on our Twitter and our Facebook group. And uh, we thank you guys for tuning in. And be sure that every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and for those people always active in YouTube, always ask us questions. And you'll hear them answered on the show just like this one. And uh, once again, we apologize for the Facebook questions that are getting left out of this one. But they're they're getting left out for good reason. And they they're, will be answered. They are being answered. So uh, fear not. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you.